we've been talking about prayer that gets results. How many of you want to pray prayers that get results? There are many people that pray, but few of them get results. And I don't know about you, I'm a results person. Amen? I'm a results person. I don't want to waste my time praying, but not getting results. And I'm not going to be a pseudo-spiritual Christian who's going to sit back and just say, I know we'll figure it out in heaven. We've got many questions to ask the Lord in heaven one day. Uh Uh-uh. I want to look at the word, and when the word says, you know what, when you pray, I will hear you. So if my prayers are not being heard, I want to investigate in scripture, and I want to find out why they're not being heard. And then I want to study that, and I want to push through until I know my prayers are heard. Amen. And so we're going to go deeper. Today we're looking at the seventh, eighth, and ninth ingredient of prayers that get results. Are you ready? Are you steady? Let's get going. Number seven, pray in faith. Pray in faith. One of the problems we have in our society today, there have been a lot of extremes when it comes to teaching on faith. And a lot of people have been put off by the extreme. You know, name it, claim it, frame it. Hey, whatever you want, just name it, claim it, frame it. Do you want that wife? Name it, claim it, frame it. Do you want that car? Name it, claim it, frame it. Do you want that child? Name it, claim it, frame it. You know what I'm talking about. Do you want that house? Name it, claim it, frame it. So we've been exposed to the extremes in the faith teaching. And the mistake we've made is we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Where in certain circles... If you talk about faith, it's like a swear word. Are you feeling me? You know what I'm talking about, right? And people have got this pseudo-spiritual false humility around it. Where they're like, no, no, it's not about my faith. It's just God's grace. If it is just God's grace that applies to everyone, then why isn't everyone thriving? There's a responsibility that I have when it comes to walking in faith. Can I hear an Amen. So let's, let's have a look at this because I think it's a mindset that has been forgotten about. The mindset of faith. God's kingdom is based on faith. Amen? The kingdom of darkness is based on fear. If you look at a lot of people who come out of Satanism, they come out and they're so fearful because they've been told, hey, you know what? This is what we'll do to you if you leave. Satanism. Right? The kingdom of darkness is based on fear. The kingdom of God is based on faith. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I like it in the NASB. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Isn't that powerful? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. How many of you know that you can hope for something but not be assured about it? You know those people who go through their lives just saying, I'm just hoping and I'm just praying that this will work out. That's not faith. Amen? Faith is the assurance of what you hope for. Let's go a little bit deeper in this. You can't have faith without hope. Many people today don't have faith because there's no climate of hope in their lives. Many of us have given, us, given up hoping. We've given up hoping because hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, the Bible says. Amen? So if you've been disappointed before, you start hearing people saying things like, I don't want to set goals anymore because I don't want to be disappointed. You know what I'm talking about, right? And we lower our expectations. People have done that in their marriages. I know, you know what? The way to avoid disappointment, Paul, is I must just lower my expectations. People have said that. I'm a Man United fan. And people say, you know what? I remember one guy on TV said, Man United fans should just lower their expectations. That's what Arsenal fans have done. They've lowered their expectations and they're happy. 
So Man United fans should just lower the expectations. I must say, concerning that, I agree. Because, because a lot of Man United fans, we're living in the past. We're living in the past. We're living in another era. We must just understand we're rebuilding our team. Lower our expectations. But when it comes to life, we mustn't lower our expectations. Amen? We must keep that climate of hope. Because you cannot function in faith if there's no climate of hope. Is everyone following this morning? Okay? Because faith is the assurance of what you're hoping for. And if I'm not hoping for anything, then there's no assurance. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I like it in the New King James. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're going to go deep into this thing this morning. Are you ready? So what is hope? Hope is joyful, confident expectation and anticipation. What are you hoping for in your life? What are you in a place of joyful, confident expectation and anticipation for in your life? It's very important. The Bible describes God as the God of all hope. Amen? What are you hoping for? Just think about what you're hoping for. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. This is going to be like a workshop. Are you thinking about the things you're hoping for? The things you're expectant concerning? Okay? Is it passing that exam? Is it getting a husband? Is it getting a wife? What is it? Is it having a baby or more babies? What is it? That word evidence is a very powerful one. When we say the evidence of things not seen, we're defining faith, aren't we? That word evidence is the proof of things not seen. It's also the word test, the test of things not seen. It's like a letter of guarantee. If you're doing business and people want to know, can this person actually afford it? They get a letter of guarantee from your bank, right? That you know what? We've got the money and we will pay. That's what faith is. If I'm in a situation where I say to my wife, hey, you know what, my love, I would love to take you on a date sometime. We must go and watch a movie sometime. That creates a climate of hope, doesn't it? So she's hoping that I'll take her to movies sometime. If I then go and I purchase the ticket, is everyone getting this? If I purchase the ticket and I show and I say, I've got the tickets, that's faith. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. That ticket is the evidence that this movie thing is actually happening on such and such a date at such and such a time. Amen? But you know one of the things I've learned? Faith has to be acted upon. The things I'm teaching you this morning, I've said, God, teach me how to get breakthrough in my prayer. I want to get more results. This has been from the school of the spirit. This is me sitting in God's presence and he's been teaching me these principles. Amen. This is from the throne room. This is not something I'm thumb sucking and I believe it's for your breakthrough. Amen. So the Bible shows us that faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's like that ticket. But one of the principles I've learned in life is that you have to act on faith. Because faith is linked to your action. Is everyone following? It's linked to your action. Let me give you an example. There was a time when I purchased a ticket. Speaking of tickets, my wife knows the story. It was a couple of years ago. She's a cellist. She plays cello. That's one of her instruments. And I went, I think it was Compute Ticket, and I purchased a ticket where one of the best cellists in the world, a German guy, 
was going to be around here in South Africa. And she was very happy, and I purchased it. Hey, my love. And I'm thinking, cool, this is a good husband. Hey? So I get this ticket, and it's in a couple of months' time. That's like faith, isn't it? Right? It's the evidence of things not seen. We're, we're going to this concert, aren't we? We've got the tickets. We've invested. Sunk cost fallacy. Right? Once you spend money on a particular thing, that's sunk cost, right? You spend money on a particular thing, you're definitely going to do it. Even if you don't feel like it on the day, you'll do it. Even if you're feeling sick on the day, you'll do it. Guess what happened? After a couple of months or so, we're like, it's like, let me just check. What was that date again for that concert? The date had passed. The date had passed. My mindset was, my job is just to purchase the ticket and say to my wife, hey, I got tickets. Her mindset, which was very right, was my husband is taking me to this show. So he's the one who's going to send the reminders, put it into my calendar. We missed it. Here's the principle. You can have faith, but not receive it. You can have faith for something, but not fully receive that which God wants to bless you with. Is everyone following? You can have faith that you will get that job, but you still have to apply for it. Someone is catching it. You can have faith saying, yes, yes, Lord, I'm believing you. I see it's in your word. I'm going to get that job. Yes, yes, yes. In Jesus' name, pastor, lay hands on me. Oh, anoint me, favor. You can do all those things and really be in great belief, but you still have to apply for the job and go for the interview. Some of you are in a place of great faith, but you're not acting on your faith. There are things that are stopping you from acting on your faith. There are things that stopped me from going and benefiting from that concert. Maybe I was distracted. Amen? Maybe I didn't take responsibility of the fact that I needed to take my wife out. I just thought I need to pay for it and then the rest will just happen. Rest doesn't happen, ladies and gentlemen. The rest doesn't happen. Amen? So let's go a bit deeper into this. We're talking about praying in faith. Praying in faith. Question, have you stopped hoping? Have you stopped hoping for certain things because of disappointment? The Bible in Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, when you're hoping for something, but you don't end up getting what you're hoping for, your heart goes sick. In other words, it causes sickness. You know, you have psychosomatic illnesses where there are things that go on in your head, things that go on in your heart, and it causes physical problems. Amen? Do you know what this also shows me? We should not just hope without translating our hope into faith. Because very often you don't get the results of your hope because you haven't put faith to your hope. Is everyone following? Because hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Hope alone is not enough, ladies and gentlemen. It's not enough just hoping. We have to apply our faith to it. Okay? Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. How do I make sure my longings are fulfilled? I must apply faith to what I'm hoping for. Is everyone following? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I must gather the evidence. Say to the person next to you, gather the evidence. I'm going to show you just now. I'm going to show you just now. All right? Mark chapter 9, verse 23. 
The Bible tells us here, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible for one who believes. Now people turn around and say, our faith doesn't really matter. God will do it. But when you look at the narratives of Jesus, you see that Jesus applied faith into breakthrough. He applied faith as a condition of breakthrough. And we see it many times. And I'm just giving you a few examples. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible for one who believes. You know what is interesting? That word possible is actually the same word for power. It's from the word dunamis, which speaks of power. In other words, all things become mighty, become strong for he who believes. Amen? The word belief there is the word pistis, which literally means to have trust in, to have confidence, and it speaks of God's divine persuasion. In other words, the person who's fully persuaded by God can produce lots of power. The person who's fully persuaded by God concerning what God's word says, concerning God's promises, can generate lots of possibility. Amen? When we are fully persuaded upon investigating his word, the result is possibility. Here's what the problem is. A lot of us as Christians have not been gathering the evidence. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So we are trying to muster up a lot of faith when it comes to prayer, but we're not taking time to look at the evidence. Is everyone following? What is the evidence of things not seen? It's the promises of God. It's what the word of God says. That's the evidence. Let me, let me see how I can make this land. If you come to me and you say, Paul, I'm a billionaire. If you come to me and you say, Paul, I'm a billionaire. Will I believe you? Will I believe you straight away? I might sort of say, okay, this is interesting. So I'm now in a place where I'm hoping you're a billionaire. I'm in the realm of expectation. Is everyone following? I'm in the realm of, okay, maybe. Yeah, because he said so. So possibly. That's hope. But then I now need to gather evidence. And then if I start saying, can I have a look at your property portfolio, please? And then you show me all your title deeds. Can you give me evidence of your net worth, please? And then you begin to show me everything. I'm gathering the evidence until I reach a point where I'm fully persuaded that you're a billionaire. Is everyone following? Guess what that does to me? When I'm fully persuaded of what you carry, it makes it very easy for me to say, can I have 10 rand, please? Is everyone following me? It's the same when it comes to faith in God. We're not talking about faith in faith. Some people want to muster up faith and they start having faith in faith. We're talking about having faith in this mighty God who's so big. And the way you have faith in this mighty God, the work of faith is spending time gathering the evidence. So spending time in the word is it true? Yeah, I think it is true. This is what he says. Spending time looking at prophetic words that you've received. Is this true for me? Not just for the general Christian. Yes, it's true for me, not just the general Christian. Can you see what I'm doing? I'm gathering the evidence. Now, I don't know if we've got, we've got a, few, a couple of lawyers in the church. And they'll be able to tell you that when you go to the court of law, you don't just present your evidence. You now have to persuade the rest of the court that this is how relevant the evidence is. Amen? 
You've watched those movies, haven't you, where someone presents evidence and it's dismissed as irrelevant. So the work of prayer is getting before God and saying, you know what? I want healing for this particular thing. Let me lay down all the promises concerning healing. Is everyone following? Let me lay down all my prophetic words that God has spoken to me personally. And that's very important because sometimes when you just look at the word, you can literally just say, you rationalize it away and just say, ah, this is general word for Christians. What about that specific word God has spoken to you? You gather it also. Is everyone following? You're gathering the evidence and then you go before God and you wage war according to the prophecy. That's why Paul says to Timothy, wage war according to the prophecy. Prophecy. A lot of Christians don't do that. A lot of Christians don't do that. So in Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, it says, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Jesus makes faith a condition, ladies and gentlemen. It's not automatic. It's not automatic. It says you will receive if you have faith. Let's unpack that word receive. That word receive in the, in the Greek, it's the word lambano. And the word lambano is an interesting one because it's actually a very active word. The word lambano means to take hold of. Very often when we look at the word receive, we think it's a passive thing. Oh, I've received it. No, it literally means to go and take hold of. I didn't go and take hold of that concert. Amen? So the work is, I must believe, I must have faith. And if I have faith, I will be able to take hold of certain things. It's an active process. What is it in your life you're believing God for? Do you believe? That's my first question. Number two, are you actively taking hold of it? Are you actively taking hold of it? Romans 10 verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I'm responsible for my level of faith. Please say to the person next to you, you are responsible for your level of faith. Whether God initiates it, whether that level of faith is coming from God, you are responsible for it. Because it says faith comes from where? Faith comes from hearing. I'm responsible for what I hear. Someone once said, fear is faith in reverse. Very often we become fearful because of what we are feeding ourselves with. Amen? Be careful of what you feed yourself with. One of my kids, I was overhearing a conversation between a couple of my kids and my wife last night. And they were saying, mom, mom, look, there's this movie on box office. Can we watch it? There's this movie on box office. And my wife, I think they were now looking at the trailer. And my wife, I heard my wife saying to them, um, you know what, guys, this will make you scared. And then one of the boys started saying, uh, mommy, you just scared. It's fine. We're fine with it. Mommy is scared. Mommy is scared. That's what they were saying to her. But I'm glad that they didn't watch it because what we all then suffer with is that a, few, a couple of days time, kids are waking us up in the middle of the night saying, I had this bad dream. I had this bad dream. You know what I'm talking about, right? What you feed yourself, garbage in, garbage out. Who's into programming, coding? Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, they're feeling me. I like the way you guys like, yeah, that's our field. That's our field. All right? Garbage in, garbage out. Whatever I feed myself with ignites faith in me or fear. 
And being, being neutral doesn't help because you are always hearing messages through the media, through the people around you. Amen? If you want to have faith for business growth, spend time with people where the figures they're talking about when it comes to money and wealth, there are a few more zeros than what you're used to. Amen? Because after a while, you start realizing this thing is possible. We can all be there. This guy is a normal guy like me. We can also be there. Are you following? Who you spend time with is critical. Critical, critical, critical. Determine your friendships. Amen? Faith comes from hearing. And hearing comes from the word. I'm choosing to be in the word. To hear what the word has to say concerning certain things. There was something I was believing God for and the breakthrough came a couple of days ago. Right? The breakthrough came. But there were certain types of prayers I was praying leading up to that particular breakthrough. Based on what God is teaching me about faith. I did the investigation for myself. Is this God's will for me? Is this God's portion for us? And when I was completely persuaded, I prayed a very strong prayer into the situation. Amen? God is calling us to higher levels of faith, but we are responsible for our level of faith. Question, where do you want to be when it comes to your faith level? What do you want to trust God for? Do you want to trust God for just some Mickey Mouse church? And I shouldn't be saying Mickey Mouse because Mickey Mouse is actually a legend. You know, he was going to be called Mortimer Mouse. And then a Walt Disney's wife was like, mm -mm, no, nah, kids, Mortimer, no, it won't. let's call him Mickey. Then he was called Mickey Mouse. Okay, so he's a legend. But you know what I'm talking about. What are we believing God for? Are you believing God for a tiny business? Us for and no more as long as my family is okay? How big is your faith? And you know what's so exciting? It's not faith in faith. That's why Jesus says, if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, Small faith, just small faith, things will happen. Why? It's about who you're trusting. Amen? Some of you have got big faith in the wrong person. Others of you, you've got small faith, but in the right God. Amen? So the principle here is that a large part of your faith comes from learning Believing, listening, and acting out the words in the Bible. The deeper you dive into the word of the Lord, the deeper your faith will grow. You cannot separate faith from the word of God. It's faith in what he's promised. Amen? And how many of you know this is why sometimes we've got a lot of faith in certain aspects of our lives and very little faith in other aspects? So you've got some people when it comes to healing, their faith is very high. When it comes to financial provision, faith is low. When it comes to believing God for salvation for people in their family, faith very low. I still remember a message preached by a particular, uh, particular man of God years ago, and it was entitled Faith for a New Life. And was specifically talking about having faith for someone's salvation. Amen? What are the areas in your life where your faith is strong? And what are the areas of your life where your faith is weak? Those areas where your faith is weak, get into the word because faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word. Amen. Don't just read things about faith in areas where you're already strong in faith. Also read where you're weak in faith. Amen. So ask yourself the question, what is the action associated with my faith? 
You see, some people just see an opportunity, other people seize an opportunity. It's one thing to see, it's another thing to seize, to take a hold of, to receive. And I said to you, we must not be aggressive with people, but we must be spiritually aggressive. Amen? Some of you get aggressive with people where you should be aggressive in the spirit realm. That's what God has called us to be. There's some people who are super gentle when they're dealing with people, but spiritually they're aggressive. Other people are very passive in the spirit realm, but they're aggressive with people. Bible tells us that we do not wage war according to the flesh. Amen? But our warfare is against powers, it's against principalities, it's against spiritual wickedness in dark places. That's where the aggression should be. Amen? Okay. Are you gathering evidence for what you are hoping for? I got you to think earlier on about what you are hoping for. My question is, are you gathering evidence for that thing you are hoping for? Evidence that gives you a sense of conviction that this is the thing that the Lord wants me to have. The way God designed hope is so that it's linked to faith. Otherwise, you become the person who's just like, yeah, I hope so. But you're very passive about it. You know what I'm talking about. You know when people say that, right? Hey, man, it's so exciting what, what God can do with our kids. And one day this and this will happen. I hope so. Hey, can you see the kind of church building we'll end up having and the land we will apply? I hope so. That's very passive hope. Faith is the assurance of what you hope for. So think of those things you're hoping for. Are you assured concerning them? You know what I've seen happens with a lot of people? They change their theology when they don't get a breakthrough. So they're hoping for certain things. And when the things don't come, you see that their theology actually changes. This person who was believing for breakthrough in a particular area starts saying, eh, maybe this is not for all of us. Yeah, but you know what? When it comes to these kinds of breakthroughs, I don't know. I don't know if it's that important to God. Amen? Are you getting something this morning? In Matthew 15, verse 28, Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This was the Syrophoenician woman. In some translations it says the Canaanite woman. She comes to Jesus and she wants healing for her daughter. And she's begging him. She says, please heal my daughter. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm just sent to the lost sheep of Israel. I'm not sent to you guys. And I believe Jesus was actually wooing her. Can you see that? She was trying, he was trying to draw her out to see how far will you go? Will you just accept what I'm saying or will you push through? How desperate are you for this breakthrough? Okay? And then, and then Jesus goes on to say, but you know what? I cannot give the children's bread to the dogs. It's almost like he's insulting her. But you know what she does? She's not offended. What does she say? She says, yeah, but even the dogs eat the scraps. So my love, it's okay for us to give the dogs the scraps, okay? We don't, we don't have to feed them fancy dog food, okay? <laughs> but the point is, she then goes on to say, even the dogs can eat the scraps. What is Jesus' response? Woman, your faith is great. 
you can have what you desire. Immediate healing for her daughter. What is stopping you? What is stopping me from pressing through for that breakthrough? Sometimes it's offense where you're offended with God. But Lord, I've seen so-and-so get their breakthrough, but I'm more righteous than them. Then we've short-circuited the miracle. Lord, I've seen so-and-so. Look at their marriage. It's so wonderful. But look at her attitude. And here I am, God. I'm a watchman. I'm an intercessor. But look, her husband seems to love her so much. And look at my husband. Look at the husband you gave me, Lord. You are the one who chose that husband. <laughs> Did anyone force you? <laughs> no one forced you. You are the one at your wedding day who was saying, I do. Yes, I do. Okay. The point I'm making is do not let offense stop you from getting hold of that for which God has in store for you. Amen. Don't let it stop you. It didn't stop this one. She was not offended. Some people are so offended by how they're prayed for by the minister who's praying. Jesus here had virtually insulted her, and I think he was doing it on purpose. I can't give the, the, the kids food to the dogs. So what's Jesus calling her? Don't go and start calling people dogs, okay? I think he was making a point here. This is Jesus, okay? He knew what he was doing. Isn't that powerful? And she presses on, and she believes. Mark 10, verse 52. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This was the blind man. And Jesus had specifically asked this blind man, what do you want me to do for you? This blind man could have said, I just need more cash. I just position me where the richer people are so I can get more cash. Hey, just tell these guys to stop teasing me, please. Right? But he says, I want to see. He believed that Jesus could give him sight. Immediately, he received his sight. But what did Jesus say first? Your faith has healed you. Say to the person next to you, your faith will do things for you. I like this. Matthew 17, verse 20. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, you know what I find amazing? Faith speaks. Faith speaks. Because well, he says, if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move. My question to you is, what is your faith saying? You can tell the level of someone's faith by what they say. If you're always whining, if you're always complaining, it says something about your level of faith. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your mouth betrays what's in your heart. If you use vulgar language and you swear at people, it shows us how unclean the state of your heart is. Amen? Faith speaks. Faith says to this mountain, move. My question to you is, what are the mountains in your life right now? What are those big problems in your life right now? 
You know what the mistake is? Many of us talk about the mountain. We dance around the mountain. We psychoanalyze the mountain, but we never speak to the mountain. God is calling us to a place where our faith speaks to the mountains in our lives. And if you've got faith, the size of a mustard seed. That speaks of potential, doesn't it? Because a seed speaks of potential. If you've got faith that size of a mustard seed, you can speak to certain things and things will happen, my friends. There's a type of prayer you pray, and I know I've taught on this before, where God shifts you to a place of declaring certain things instead of just asking for certain things. Amen? Begin to speak to your mountain and see what happens. Begin to tell certain things where to get off. Where to go and where to get off. You know what I'm talking about, right? Begin to tell them. In the spirit realm, we can speak things and we can command things because we carry the authority of Christ. Amen? Some of you complain too much about things. Some of you find comfort and solace in just talking to a friend about it. And you're saying the same thing over and over again and you're still in the same situation. Faith speaks. What is your faith saying? And that's why sometimes when we are coaching and training up the next generation, we need to guide them in terms of what they say. Amen. We'll go deeper into this just now. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. Nothing. So faith has size. Jesus speaks of faith the size of a mustard seed. What's the size of your faith right now? Faith has size. Do you have faith? How persuaded are you? There are things that I'm slightly persuaded of, and there are other things that I'm greatly persuaded of. I'm greatly persuaded of the fact that my wife loves me. I'm slightly persuaded of the fact that. No, I don't want to diss you guys. Okay. Uh, I'm slightly persuaded of the fact that my children always respect me. You see where I'm going, right? There's some things you're greatly persuaded of and there are other things you're slightly persuaded of. When it comes to faith, find out what are you greatly persuaded of. And the things you're only slightly persuaded of, gather the evidence and build up divine persuasion. Oh, that type of conviction gets results. Everything and anything becomes possible when you walk in that type of faith. Amen? A prayer to pray when you're building up faith is, Lord, can you persuade me on this matter? Lord, I'm believing you that we will get that wonderful land we're believing for, for the church, and we'll build an amazing building. Lord, can you persuade me that this is true? Amen? Very powerful. There are people in this room right now that are fully persuaded that God can and wants and will heal them. Whilst there are others in the room right now your persuasion is only to the level of God can. You see, sometimes you can be praying for the sick and you can ask someone, do you believe that God can heal you? And they'll say, yes, I definitely, I'm fully persuaded that God can heal me. Do you believe that God wants to heal you? Uh, 
Yeah, maybe. Can you see? They're not as persuaded. Do you believe that God does heal people? Yes, I believe that Jesus did in the Bible. Do you believe that God heals people today? Uh, sometimes, yes, sometimes. Uh, can you see? When we're healing the sick, we want people to believe that God can, that God desires, and God will. It's another level of persuasion, ladies and gentlemen. And for someone to go to that level of persuasion, they need to gather the evidence. So you can then have a conversation with them and say, but you know what, my brother, the, the other day we had a meeting and there were 10 people that needed healing. Nine out of the 10 were healed. Do you now believe that God wants to heal you? Yes, he does want to heal me. Do you believe that he will? Hey, 90% strike rate the other day. Yeah, no, I think so. Can you see the power of testimony now? The power of listening to testimonies and realizing God is doing it today. You want breakthrough for your business. Yeah, I believe God does want to prosper me. Do you believe he will? Uh, actual, um, but I'm, I, I'm a, I've, I've been bad in the past. You know, I only got born again six months ago. I came out of a backslidden state. Well, my brother, do you know that these five people came out of a backslidden state and they started following Jesus and look at the breakthroughs they're experiencing. Yeah, no, I'm now being persuaded. Yeah, no, maybe. That's the work of gathering the evidence. Has that landed? Okay. So number seven, the ingredient was... Pray in faith. Number eight, watch what you say. Can you see the two things are linked? Watch what you say. Mark. Chapter 11, verse 22 to 24. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, look at that word says, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. That says again, right? He will have whatever he says. Say to the person next to you, what you say trumps what you pray. You, does everyone understand that concept? In other words, what you say will override whatever you are praying. It's one thing to be in prayer saying, Lord, may my kids become great. May they become great one day. I'm believing you, Lord, that my kids will become great one day. And then you speak death over them. Amen? It's one thing to say, Lord, I'm declaring that I'm the head and not the tail, above and not below, that abundance is coming my way. And the moment someone speaks to you after your time of prayer, how's business going? Hey, we're struggling along like with everyone else, eh? You've just canceled that declaration, ladies and gentlemen. Because God looks at what you say, not just what you say in the closet. Amen? Everything you say, you're prophesying over yourself. You can't say, no, 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 but in this context, we were just chilling. I know it was a social gathering, guys. It doesn't count. Amen? It counts, ladies and gentlemen. You know what's so exciting for me? One of the most powerful weapons we've been given is our voice. Can I share with you a secret of the kingdom? Can I share with you a secret of the kingdom? Is everyone ready? Everyone listening? You create with your mouth. God created with his mouth, with words. We create things. This is a powerful tool and a powerful weapon. We create in the spirit realm with what we say. Now you say, but Paul, I know that. I know that in my head. But are you walking in it? Are you walking in it? Do you know that there were certain weapons of war over the last century? That were futurist weapons, powerful weapons, but they were never used in certain wars. 
If you download the notes, I've actually got the link to a, a, an interesting article, those of you who are interested in those kinds of things, okay. Where they'll say, in World War II, the Russians built this, but it caused them to be bankrupt, okay. They didn't have enough money to actually end up using it. Oh, this weapon of war, it was actually too powerful for the war. It was too big for the war. You know what the sad thing for me is? There are many Christians who have this weapon of the mouth. We all have it, but few of us use it. I want to use my mouth, I want to use the words of my mouth to create certain things. Do you know what's so scary? Many of us use our words to destroy ourselves. Very often we're destroyed by our own words, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible says in the book of James that the tongue is a rudder. What does a rudder do? It directs your life, doesn't it? It directs your life. Your tongue is a rudder. Do you know that many of us say things over ourselves that if we were to speak that over someone else, we'll be sent to jail. We'll be sent to jail for hate speech, for speaking some of those things over people. But we are comfortable saying it over ourselves. What are you speaking over your life? What are you speaking over your life? How many of you recently have, say, have used the term, I'm not good with names. Ah, I just keep forgetting names. I'm not good with names. How many of you have said that? Okay, let me just give you a quick word of advice. And I'm saying this as a, as a psychologist. I'm saying this like this is scientific. Stop saying that. You see, the, the moment you say, I'm not good with names, do you know how your subconscious works? Your brain or your heart, your inner person, whatever word you want to use for it. It's like a little man in your basement. It goes to the section of your brain that remembers names and closes it up. Chunk! We don't remember names around here. That's basically how the brain works, ladies and gentlemen. So don't say that. What I need to do is, if I feel I'm not good with names, I need to actually say, I'm growing in my ability to remember names. I know that my dad is called John. My mom is called Rosemary. My brothers are David, William, and James. My wife is called Tracy. My kids are... Right? Right? What are you speaking over your life? Who gets the last word? We create with words. God created the earth using words. Let there be light. And let me just go a little bit deeper. The Bible tells us that the spirit of God was brooding over the surface of the deep, over the surface of the darkness. Guess what ends up happening? He speaks the word. Word plus spirit create new life. Do you know that it's the same with the new creation? How you get born again? How can we be born again if we have not heard the word of faith? Word, no one comes to the Father except the Spirit draws him. Spirit, word and spirit, new creation. It's a law in the kingdom of God that I can create with my words. I will say this. Those of you who are leaders, and I'm speaking to everyone here, if you're called to this church, you're a leader. You're called into leadership because that's what we're called to do, to release people into leadership. Amen. Leaders are social architects. An architect designs wonderful buildings. As a social architect, you create climate. You're able to walk into a room and say, you know what? Let's change the climate here. And you can change it based on your words. You can walk into your home and say, you know what? I want this to be a happy place. You can change the climate because of your words. Amen? What I find interesting in scripture is that Jesus never separates words from faith. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, 
Concerning salvation, it actually says, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Can you see the combo? Believing and confessing. Believing and confessing. In scripture, what does that word confess? It means to agree with. It means to say the same as. So when I confess the word, I'm agreeing with the word. So what's the job of the prayer warrior? The job of the prayer warrior is to locate yourself scripturally. Locate yourself or the situation you're praying over, locate it in the scriptures and then say the same as what the scriptures are saying. Amen? That's where our breakthrough comes, ladies and gentlemen. I did it this morning. I did it this morning and my wife was so blessed because she came and she gave me some breakfast while I was in prayer and I was going through my sermon and I was just praying over the sermon. She came in with some cereal and a cup of tea. No pressure for those of you wives who don't do that for your husbands, okay? No pressure. Okay, she's just also amazing, but no pressure for the rest of you, okay? I'm sure there are other things you do, okay? I don't want to cause marital problems now, okay? But anyway, um, so she came and she served me with this. Now, what are you, I had just been meditating on this, by the way. Now, what I usually do is I'm very thankful and appreciative as a person. You guys know that about me, right? I'm always saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, right? But here's the thing. I usually say, thank you so much, my love. Thank you. But this time I just say to her, you're the best. And then because she's good at mining the word, she loves doing that. When she gives people prophetic words, sometimes she'll say, you know what? Psalm 37 is for you. Just dig it. Dig into it, mine it, and get as much as possible. Find as much evidence as possible. So she starts mining it. She's like, I'm the best what? <laughs> I'm like, best wife, uh, best, uh, best. Uh, and I started listing the best thing. Best friend, best wife. And she did something as she was leaving. I saw her touching her chest. Touching her chest, she was like, ooh, like this. And she walked out. I saw the power of my words. Gentlemen, let's up our game. Here's the principle. You get what you appreciate. Everyone listening, you get what you appreciate. Someone once said what you think about and what you thank about is what you eventually bring about. Amen? That got you going. So you know what we can do? Imagine as a nation, we have what I'm calling a speak life week. Where we basically say this week, from Monday through to Sunday, every single person in South Africa, I want to do this one day, everyone in South Africa, you're just going to speak life over this nation. We can even translate it to a day. Imagine going to your organization and just say, today is a speak life day. You know what will happen? things will be created. Sometimes when I'm working with corporates, I, I, they will be sitting down, I'll be doing a seminar, and I basically say to them, what do you like about your organization? Popcorn style, just speak out. I did one of the main banks recently. What do you like about your organization? And people begin to say, the culture. What about the culture? The people. The flexibility. Then people are like thinking, what department do you work in? Okay, but... <laughs> People are just shouting out all sorts of things, all sorts of things. And let's say there are 50 people in the room. And I say to them, guys, guess what happened? If all of you were shouting out compliments, we've just had 50 compliments 
50 positive things about your organization flying around the room. And I say to them, what's happened to the atmosphere? What's happened to the climate? And it's so powerful. All of us, everyone is laughing, everyone is joking. Power of words. The climate literally lifts. Literally is different because of what people are saying. Amen? What are you saying over your children? What are you saying over your spouse? What are you saying over your church? One of the things I appreciate in this church is there are people in the church who keep reminding me of what we are called to and, the, and how big it is. Amen? Because it's easy as a pastor to forget. It's easy as a pastor to get into maintenance mode. Death and life is in the tongue. Proverbs 18 verse 20 to 21 says, From the fruit of his mouth, a man's belly is filled. With a harvest from his lips, he is satisfied. I'm not talking about being in denial. I'm talking about understanding that your words can create life or they can create death. Psalm 43 verse 5 says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Why does David do this? Why does he say this? His spirit is speaking to his soul. His spirit is commanding his soul. His spirit is basically saying, soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your imaginations, basically saying, line up with God's word. I want to encourage you to speak to yourself more. Let your spirit man command your soul. Otherwise, you'll be that person who's always saying, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, guys, but the flesh is weak. Yes, I repent of these things, but hey, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Your spirit man has to dominate. It has to dominate your soul. It has to dominate your body. Amen. I wrote out 28 affirmations in 2004. I want to share with you a few of them. I don't use them every single day, but I want you to see the pattern of using affirmations. Number one, this is 2004. That's how many years ago? 15, right? Come on, guys. People who are good at maths, right? I always influence the people around me to think kingdom and they love being around me. Number two, Christ lives in me and I enjoy reflecting him in all I say and do to give others a picture of his heart. Number three, I've enjoyed seeing lasting cultural transformation come to my world through the best-selling world-class material I've developed. Let me just pause there. I only did my first book in 2005. But 2004, this is what I was saying. I've enjoyed seeing lasting cultural transformation come to my world through the best-selling world-class material I've developed. Are you seeing the art and the science behind your affirmations? You can call them whatever you want. You can call them prophetic declarations. Same thing, right? Four, I'm a servant leader who enjoys lessening the load for my leaders and followers. Five, as an apostle and teacher, I'm devoted to studying the word and to prayer. Six, I net at least X per month, which is normal for me. 
Seven, I am a pastor who influences greatly beyond the church building walls, and I'm graced to do it. Eight, I'm a proactive, get it done now person who's always at peace. Nine, I'm a reformer on our continent and love the way I've influenced people through my writings and talks. The pattern when you speak over your life, you will see in my affirmations. Number one, they're personal. So you take the word of God, but you personalize it. That's the first P. And I'm not biased just because my name starts with P, okay? You personalize it. You personalize it and you basically say, I am this, as opposed to the royal we. The second thing about these affirmations, they were stated in present tense. When you say things in the future, you're detaching yourself from it. When you say, I hopefully one day, all things possible, if the government doesn't change its policy on this and this, I will maybe perhaps be. You've detached yourself from it. You're no longer speaking to your soul. You're no longer shaping your life. Is everyone following? Number three, I said it with passion. I said them with passion and with emotion. I involved my whole body in what I was saying. There's a science in terms of how you get your thoughts to become beliefs. And one of the ways they stick and become neural pathways in your brain, they get embedded that way when you involve emotion. Emotion is the glue that makes it stick. And that's why it's important to be ardent, to be full of zeal, to be full of fervor when you make declarations. Amen? The other thing that we have to understand is that I stated them in the positive I didn't say, I haven't got a bad temper, I haven't got a bad temper, I haven't got a bad temper, because your subconscious is just picking up temper, temper, temper. Rather say, I'm learning to be patient with slower people. State it in the positive. That's just how our brains work. That's what they receive. Amen? And here's an important principle, and I want to land with this. I'm not going to do the third ingredient. We'll cover that next week. It's to do with the power of the imagination. Very powerful concept, the power of the imagination. Okay? I want to land it with this. Your subconscious or your heart does not distinguish or differentiate between fact and fantasy. That's why when you are watching a scary movie, I don't know why people watch scary movies, but when you're watching a scary movie and you're sitting back watching it, you can say to yourself, I know that this guy acted in that comedy that we watched two weeks ago. So I know that this is fiction, right? But then you hear the sounds. And then you see certain things visually. What happens when you go to bed? It's hot nowadays, so your windows are open and the, the wind is blowing your curtains. You're thinking this thing is going to crawl into my bedroom. You begin to have dreams about it, right? You know with your head that this, is, this was fiction. But your heart receives it as very true. Here's the principle I want to share with you. When we make these declarations, they may not have fully manifest into the natural, but in seed form, they're true. And after a while of telling myself those things about the influence I have on the continent and all those affirmations you hear me saying, guess what? It ends up happening. It ends up happening because I've spoken it and I've created something from seed, complete big tree. Amen? Did you get something this morning? Those are two very powerful ingredients. Do you believe it? And are you speaking it? Do you believe it? And are you speaking it? Do you believe it? And are you speaking it? 
I want to maximize the power of my voice. Let's pray. Maybe you are here and you've listened to this message on faith and on confession. And if you're honest with yourself, you're that person who's just been living in the realm of hope. Maybe you've been disappointed before, so you've been afraid of believing God for certain things. Just stand where you are. You want to come back to a place of saying, you know what, God, I want to believe you for the impossible. Stand where you are. If God spoke to you this morning about that, stand exactly where you are. Maybe you're in a space in your life where you've been trying to muster up faith. But if you're honest with yourself, you haven't mined the word. Mining the word in order to grow in your faith. You haven't been gathering the evidence so that you are fully persuaded. And you want to make a commitment this morning to say, you know what? I want to be that person. I want to be that person who digs deeper into the word so that I'm fully persuaded concerning certain things. Just stand where you are. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you this morning. If you're honest with yourself, there's certain things that have put you off. Maybe it's pastors. Maybe it's disappointment in church. But you're saying today I want to be like that Syrophoenician woman, that Canaanite woman who says, you know what? I still believe. I've been insulted before. I've been disappointed before. But I still believe. I will not be offended because it's going to block my miracle. If that's you, just stand where you are. And I ask you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, may you help me to build up my faith. I thank you that it's faith in you. You're so big. You're so mighty. And you're so powerful. I choose to believe in you. In all areas of my life. Where my faith is weak, help me to grow in faith. Where I've been in unbelief, help me to believe. Help me, Lord, as I gather the evidence. As I look into your word. As I meditate on your promises. As I embrace the prophecies over my life. Help me to believe in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen, Amen. Hey, E-Family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za. And I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget... We've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.